Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 2 of my podcast for Pillars Through Seasons. Last week, I interviewed Pastor Sam Wan, the founder and director of Pursuit NYC, and he shared some inspiring stories on how his organization came to be. If you missed it, make sure to check it out. For this week's episode, I sat down with Pastor Faith Cho and her husband, Pastor David Cho. Pastors Faith and David, college sweethearts who have been married for eight years, now have four children and co-pastor the river in Wayne, New Jersey. I have the privilege of calling them my pastors and can personally testify to how amazing they are as pastors, parents, friends, and just people. I got to chat with them about how they got to where they are now and the dynamics of a married, co-pastoring, co-parenting relationship. Pastor Faith also highlights some key moments of her life as a woman in ministry who also had four children in the time span of finishing seminary. It's a long one, but I didn't want to miss anything because everything was too good. They were incredibly generous with their time, and I hope you're just as blessed as I was by their story. And we did definitely pay for it relationally. Uh, But yeah, I think... But the choices were correct. I do feel like, you know, when I look back, we did need to move to the East Coast. And I do feel like we were meant to get married at that time. And we made the right choices, except um, emotionally, uh, we weren't, we were just shell-shocked. because um, it's not common, I feel like, to see a woman in ministry, first of all, but also to see a married couple uh, ministering together. And yeah, so to backtrack, I just wanted to know, how did you guys meet, um, you know, the whole like love story? Well, my wife and I, we met in college. at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And we actually met at church. Uh, We're in a small group together. She was a sophomore and I was a freshman. And it just started off us being really good friends. And then our friendship grew into something a little bit more. And then by the end of my college career as a senior, at the ripe age of 21, I proposed to her because I knew everything that I was going to do in life. And that's a joke. Um, and then we got married a year and a half later and we've been running together ever since. Yeah. I think when we first met, um, I was already set on going into ministry. Um, and he was planning on becoming a physical therapist and that did not work out for him. (laughs) He's now (laughs) a pastor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, it's not that it didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, she was in San Diego at the time uh, when I was a senior, and so we were doing long distance for for a good part of our my college career. And what was it? She was in San Diego, and I actually got accepted into a graduate program in San Diego for physical therapy. But that year, um, you know, things just one thing led to another, and I just really felt led to. Uh, going to the ministry just felt like it was it was um you just kind of know you know and I just knew uh, going 
going into the pastorate was the thing for me. And, um, you know, we kind of tore all that down and started a, a life together in New York as uh, two pastors going to seminary together. And um, now we're here. So did you guys decide on that together, going into ministry, or was it... I don't think we had a plan. I think it was just, I knew I was called into ministry, and eventually he felt he was called into ministry. We did not know what that would look like. Um, <clears throat> I know for the majority of our marriage, we were running separate ministries. So I was usually in some sort of youth ministry, um, whereas he was always in some sort of young adult ministry. I think it wasn't until about two years ago uh, almost two and a half years ago, where we kind of felt like it was time for our relationship to start uh, co-pastoring together. We didn't have any good uh, mentors or role models uh, in our life at that time um, who can model what it would look like for... <laughs> A husband and a wife to be doing the pastorate side by side and learning how to work together, uh, learning how to grow together, learning how to support each other in our callings. And so if I were to go back, <clears throat> if I were to go back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change um, anything. Um, looking back for me, uh, one of my personal pitfalls during that time is just the fact that we didn't really have anyone um, to guide us through this whole process and this whole time. Yeah, I think that in the end, the choices were correct. Um, would I recommend other people to do it just like we did? Not necessarily. Um, just because they do say if you're going to have um, major changes in your life, um, you should try not to overlap one of the following, which is changing, changing of jobs, changing of homes, <clears throat> marriage, children, and death. So one of those, if one of those five, <clears throat> one of those five, um, one of uh, if they overlap with another of the five, usually that causes a lot of strife in the relationship. And we kind of combined a lot of that <laughs> together. Um, so we did experience the stress of it, um, <clears throat> and we did definitely pay for it relationally. Uh, but yeah, I think. But the choices were correct. I do feel like, you know, when I look back, we did need to move to the East Coast. And I do feel like we were meant to get married at that time. And we made the right choices, except um, emotionally, uh, we, weren't, we were just shell-shocked with a lot of the changes. And I think um, <clears throat> my husband did not know too many uh, male pastors that knew how to steward a female pastor. And at the same time, even for myself, I did not know a lot of female pastors that knew how to um, be undercovering with their male pastor husbands. And so I think we just didn't know what the dynamics were supposed to look like. You know, we didn't know how to submit to each other, how to die to ourselves um, in a healthy way. Um, so yeah, that was just something that we had to kind of figure out the hard way. So. I met Faith when she was, when I was 18, she was 19. I proposed to her 
when I was 21. I got, we got, I graduated at the age of 22 and went straight into um, graduate school for <clears throat> biblical studies at 22. We got married at 23. You were 23. I was 23. Um, and we had a child, our first child, when I was 24. And her second child when I was 25. And so the first half of my, our 20s were tumultuous, to say the least. And um, it was a pretty busy time for us. And I don't think we, we weren't even really thinking. We were just, we were just going. And then probably until, you know, our mid-20s, we realized, oh, maybe we should um, kind of think about this <laughs> for a second. And, uh, you know, I, uh, there's definitely an element of just, you know, God's hand on all of this, and and He really led us through the whole process. But it was definitely through some divine relationships and um, uh, divine support that really, I would say, got us through this whole time. Um, it was it was crazy transition uh, throughout this. And I'm 31 now. We have four children, and um, it was a pretty wild time. But looking back, yeah, we wouldn't change anything. Um, would we recommend everyone do it the way we did it? Probably not, but it was definitely something that um, um, just kind of God's hand was just really on this whole thing for us. Grace. Um, I believe anything that a woman has to go through, there's always a grace to experience it. You know, so as in a lot of times women are like, I need to be, I need to be prepared, I need to be ready. And there's no way. There's like, there's really no way you could be prepared to be um a good mom, a good wife. I mean, there's things you could do for sure, but you just need God's grace um, first and foremost. Um, I think for every child, whenever the child hits around the three-month stage, I think for every child, I had a crisis moment <laughs> like where, you know, because that's usually when they start to sleep less too. And, um, I mean, sleep less during the day and more in the night, but... I uh, I think for every child, I had a moment where I just thought, I just can't do this anymore. You know, um, I just really can't. Like, I want to quit everything and just focus on being a mom and just get through this, send them off to college, and then I'll think about doing ministry again. I think for every child, I had that moment. Um, just because, I mean, it's real. Like, the hormonal changes, the fatigue, the pressure... Um, and yeah, I mean, there was a point where I was full-time student, full-time ministry, full-time and, you know, I mean, just human and, um, uh, mother, wife, and I was also supporting my husband in his ministry as well. And I think, yeah, there were, I mean, something has to go, right? So I slept very little for a couple years and... Um, emotionally, I think I was just completely dependent on God where I just, um, just clung on to his presence. And I think through that season, it's kind of what gave me the strength for my season today. You know, I could really look back and just see that God was really training my heart and, you know, and really stretching my ability to, um, lean on him. Uh, so I look back and I know there was purpose to it and I look back and I know his presence was there and I think it's just simply his presence that got me through it. There's absolutely zero. I mean, it's not, it's not healthy if you think about it. Like none of that was healthy. However, 
it was just kind of what I needed to do. I needed to finish school. Like I, you know, I needed to be a mom. I needed to support my husband. I had a full-time job. Um, and at that time my husband was working part-time. And so, you know, I needed to do all these things. So it wasn't like one can go, you know, you know, it was just pure grace. Wasn't there like a crazy time where you were, I think, giving birth to yeah. your second oh, child? My. Yeah. So I, uh, I went into premature labor when I was, um, it was finals week. <laughs> um, it was finals week for a school and my son came out a month early and he, and I, you know, I had a C-section and he was in the NICU and I was basically doing my final papers in the NICU oh while my watching gosh. my son in a machine and I was like, you know, healing from my C-section and um, I remember I got an infection cause I was walking around too much, you know, cause like those are pretty serious wounds from a surgery and, and it was just like a really crazy time, you know, but I look back and, um, to be honest, when I look back, I don't feel pain when I think of those memories, you know, cause I just remember very deeply his presence being there with us, you know, just his provision you know, um, of community, mm. of financial help, of um, just spiritual blessings too. Um, and I'll, even just that story in itself went into Elias's testimony as well. So I look back, I feel uh, joy and gratitude. Just for people who are listening and who don't know you guys, um, what is your season now? Mm. I think... We're finally starting to build. Um, I, and it's so funny because, yeah, I'll be honest, there were moments in the past couple years where I wondered, man, did I really throw my life away? You know, because all my friends during that time, during those years, they were, you know, they were going to grad school, PhDs, they were having fun, they were traveling, they were doing all these things while I was just at home breastfeeding, you know, <laughs> and, and like uh, taking like 13 year olds out to McDonald's, like, you know, for ministry. <laughs> it was, it was sometimes, you know, when it's hard, you just start comparing, you know, and that's like the worst. Um, comparison is truly poison. Um, and it really blinds you, I think, to what God is doing in your life. And I had moments, yeah, truly, um, where I wondered, did I make a foolish choice? But today, I look back and I thank God. Because I know God's handprint was all over my life. You know, because, you know, I don't think a lot of women understand just how much it's a very particular season. Childbirth, being a newlywed, all that is a very finite, temporary, intense season that's the only time in your life where your life is just focused on diaper to diaper feeding to feeding nap to nap you know but once they get out of that stage you know now that my kids are at school I feel like we one we are actually sleeping we actually have moments to ourselves and in a way it's like you know we have a, a family that's already built you know um, in a way we're kind of more stable than we were in our early 20s, you know, because we're no longer trying to build a family. We're actually, we have a family, you know, we have 
um, our home intact and you know it's kind of like they're on they're on a roll now you know in terms of schooling in terms of growth and you know after a while you kind of know what you're doing in terms of childcare and so now we're actually starting to build our ministry I feel you know um, our community is starting to build uh, what we feel the Lord has called us to is starting to build I feel that a lot of the, what the Lord has had me dream for when I was in my early 20s is actually starting to come into fruition now. But now there's no interruption. You know what I mean? Like there's always going to be an interruption when you have to go through that period of engagement, marriage, and having children, you know? But now it's like I have those things um, set and now my focus is on, you know, building a ministry that our family um, could grow up together with you know so yeah when I look back on my early 20s the 21 to 25 years of my life um, and when I see pictures of that time period when my first two are like really small and just like starting to crawl and walk around I look back at those pictures and the one question I have always asked myself is why was I so angry and dissatisfied <laughs> during that time. And <clears throat> when I look back, um, you know, as, as like a, as, as a 20 something year old man, you're always trying to, um, you know, kind of sink your teeth into some sort of purpose or reason or why for your life. And, you know, when you're at home and you're working part time and, uh, during that time, my wife was busier in the ministry than I was, and uh, she was um, probably moving faster than I was, <clears throat> and I kind of felt stalled in my life and my purpose and uh, calling or whatever it is that you like to call it. And so when you're, you know, when you're at home and you're having to take care of this um, one-year-old child and you kind of feel like you're, you're lost in your purpose in life and you don't really know what you're doing or why you're doing it, it really gets... Um, it really gets you down and it makes you kind of question yourself. Did you do the right thing? Did you go down the right path? Is this, um, is this really it for me? And like my wife said, it is, it, it's a season. And especially when you have children, it's kind of like a microscopic season. So it's hard to uh, envision or dream or, or sink your teeth into uh, a purpose in life. But when I Look back now, um, I think one thing that happened throughout all this and the whole process was our lives are um, lives out of calling, and we live out of calling, and uh, you can't live out of comparison. When you're living out of comparison, you're always trying to shape your life to keep up with the trends, even at the expense of your soul, your finances, and your relationships. But when you live in the center of calling and as Christians we we do believe um, we have a, we have a framework in our minds that you know that God is uh, calls us to something and that we're called to uh, obey whatever that something is and I've noticed that when we live outside of that realm of calling that's when uh, the burden of the world starts becoming heavy that's when uh, life starts becoming stressful that's when uh, situations become overwhelming and our relationships get strained. But when we live in the center of calling, uh, when we live in that place of just listening to the voice of God and following whatever it is that he calls us to, um, 
there's this sense of peace to really move forward. And there's this, uh, there's that kind of that sweet spot in when it comes to uh, understanding and obeying God's calling in our life that that the burden actually becomes light. I know Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I really believe that that when you um, choose to follow him, and not just the the, the external uh, reality of just giving your life to him, like you know, like an altar call or salvation, but truly following him and living in obedience to him, that we learn that we really learn to live in that that sweet spot of of peace and and uh, peace of mind and surrender. And I think when I was in my early twenties, I lived a lot out of comparison. I saw a lot of what other people were doing. I've chosen to walk out of that that realm of calling and walk into that place of comparison. You know, what's this guy doing? What's that guy doing? And you don't do it, you know, um, purposefully. It's very involuntary. And the human nature is is built that we we're built to uh, be to compare ourselves. You know, you can't you can't take that out of you. You can't take that out of humanity. All you can do is change what you compare yourself to. And for me, I had to, um, you know, as as a Christian and as a minister, my my one standard, my one comparison is to compare myself to the life and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, like that both of you are pastoring, you Mm -hmm. know, the river together, um, how do you guys make decisions together? Mm. When it comes down to it, he's the covering, you know, and I'm fully aware of that and I fully honor that, you know, because at the end of the day, if it's between the two of us, you know, um, I would submit to what he feels like um, should be, you know, the final call. However, he does submit a lot to what I believe is the vision um, for our ministry. So it, there is a mutual submission that does happen, you know. Um, and, you know, the, oftentimes I say things like, um, wow, we need to do this. This is what... Our ministry needs let's start this and I, I you know I move very quickly you know I, I'm a like I mobilize very quickly I dream you know really fast and really big and you know for me it's like there's no there's no there's no ceiling you know um, however without his covering without his wisdom what ends up happening sometimes is I move too fast and I move without um, basically yeah without wisdom you know he would just kind of keep the vision in line you know the the mission of the ministry the you know the foundations he'll make sure it's remains intact so he would say something on along the lines of you know that's a really good idea however the priority right now is such and such Mm. so can we table that for a couple months and you know and and I've tried to build things on my own, and I, you know, it's usually, um, I would have like a million good ideas, but the growth process would be still slow, you know? And he would try to build things on his own, but it would just be without, you know, a future mindset, you know, without the future in mind. And which, so his growth process would be slow, but we found out that when we work together, things grow just a lot quicker because. Um, we recognize each other's strengths, you know? Yeah, I think uh, there's the most peace between the two of us when I am fully aware, like, okay, he's probably right about this because, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And even for myself, he's, you know, he's always open to all my crazy ideas. 
you know, and I have like a million ideas like every week, you know, and he's always, and he never shuts me down, you know, he, he's aware that, you know, um, I have a gifting in that area, um, but I think when we both recognize each other's giftings, you know, that's kind of when we make the best decisions together. I think the analogy that I can see best is that, you know, in those remote controlled cars, there's like the, the you have the remote um, uh, control and one, there's one little stick that goes forward and backward mm-hmm. and there's another stick that goes side to side. Yeah. My wife, she has on, she has her hand on the stick that goes forward. Uh, my hand is on the stick uh, that goes side to side. So if she has her hand on the vision of our marriage and our ministry and our family, I have my hand on the values of the ministry and our family. And when I feel like um, there's a vision or an idea, uh, no matter how crazy it is, if I feel like it will stray from the values of our family and of our <clears throat> of our ministry, then you know I, I kind of put the uh, I kind of put the brakes on, um, but then you know when I feel like it's in line with our values and just where we're at right now, then you know we um, we can have the uh, we can really move forward um, together. And so, really, it's one we bring both of our giftings to the table and both of our uh, personality types and how we've been created. We bring it to the table, and if if it was just all vision, then there'd be no value. If it's all value, then there'd be no vision. We would be. Uh, really good at either going really fast and forward um, with no sense of guardrails or we'd have guardrails and be going nowhere. So do you guys um, just like take a day during the week? Because I'm assuming most ministry days are on Sundays. Um, you know, believe it or not, we actually like we've tried that. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure there's areas of improvement. Um, but people would be surprised just how organic our working relationship is, you know, because, um, our life is ministry, if that makes sense. But I don't mean that in like an unhealthy way, you know, it's just, um, for us, it's there, you know, and I think the practical wisdom is, oh, there should be a line between your personal life, your ministerial life, your office hours and your personal hours. And, and I get that. But for us, it's very organic. You know, we'd just be driving together, picking up the kids, and then we'd be just talking about different things and, you know, about, you know, what we're excited about, what we're not, or we'll be sharing our grievances. And then, you know, sometimes it'll get practical. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we don't have set times in the week where we just sit down and we discuss things. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, the ministry happens just to be an overflow of our relationship, really. Yeah, and... I think that's just what works for us too, because when, because for us ministry is life giving. It's not, it's not uh, burdensome. Meaning, it's hard, and there's a lot of hard moments, but it's it's something that we know that we're called to do. And I think at the foundation, if you guys want to talk about like foundational stuff, just like what you know, what allows us to do this, is one. <clears throat> I think there's two parts. I think one, we have this strong element of communication or we're trying to build a stronger sense of communication like for example my uh we my wife got um an opportunity to go out of the country to uh, do a speaking engagement and as we were just talking about it i just my in my word i i i I said i'll have the peace about you going the way my wife interpreted that was okay i'm gonna go 
<laughs> and, and then so she said, so she told the people that, that, that she's going to go and that we talked about it. And then when she told me, she's like, yeah, so, you know, when I go to that trip to Haiti and I'm like, wait, what? I thought, I thought we, you know, I thought we were tabling that. And, was, and, and there was this kind of this miscommunication. And now my wife is going out of the country. <laughs> <clears throat> but the only reason why that's possible, I believe, is not just because we have strong communication, but we have a strong respect for each other. A lot of times people think that marriages fall apart because a lack of communication. I really believe marriages fall apart because there's actually a lack of respect. And my wife and I, we uh, have this mutual respect for each other um, that when, when my wife throws out ideas, I don't just throw it under the bus or under the table and say, oh, like it's just my wife is just being kooky, you know, she's just being silly. No, I, I, I listen to her, uh, her ideas and I respect her ideas. I respect the, um, her prophetic gifting over her life to be able to hear from the Lord and to receive and to um, really see that maybe this is from God. The reason why we are able to have these kind of conversations and the way that we do is because, um, you know, we, we have a mutual respect for each other. And uh, yeah, there's times when we, we have to sit down and we have to talk things out. Uh, just logistically and so on, but um, it's not as structured as people would think it is um, because I think when it comes down to it, you know, we just have a mutual respect for each other and, uh, you know, we see how each other is gifted and we just want to support each other in each other's giftings and callings in their lives. And so I think it's those two things, communication and respect for sure. When she goes out of the country and travels, it's been Pretty often, I feel like, from the summer Very time. often. Yeah. Good thing you respect her so much. <laughs> I have so much respect. Well, when She's she gone does... for two, three weeks at a time. Is that the norm, usually around two weeks each trip? I would say max would be two weeks. When you do travel, mm-hmm. um, and I know a couple of trips are coming up too, mm-hmm. How is that for you, Pastor Dave? How is that um, you know, balancing? I don't know if you could really call it balancing, but um, and I don't think you're just surviving, or are you? <laughs> uh, I think in the summer I was. So my wife, she just really recently started in the literally in 2018. Before 2018, there wasn't there weren't too many travel engagements. It was literally 2018. It just there was an explosion uh, for my wife's travel. I really think that what gets me through that is just understanding uh, God's call. Mm-hmm. And, and when I turned 30, one of the things that uh, was put on my heart was to spend my 30s propelling my wife into her calling. And if I didn't have that word, if I didn't have that sense of purpose uh, for for this, for this time of my life, uh, this... You know, me taking care of the children and all that would be, um, I think, I, I don't know, I, I think I could still do it for sure, but uh, there wouldn't be this grace on it. It's not easy for sure, but um, there's definitely this um, this grace on it. And, and I think I'm naturally, I'm naturally a homebody. So I, I, I don't like travel. You know, we made one trip to San Francisco this summer and uh, it was because my wife was getting ordained. 
And that was enough traveling for me uh, <laughs> for the entire year. <laughs> I looked at my wife and I was like, how do you do this every single month? She's like, I'm doing great. And I'm like sitting in whatever car that I'm sitting in. I'm like bracing myself and on the plane and everything. And so I just, I just don't have it in me to do that that kind of that kind of travel um it's actually a great time and i i um learning how how um precious the stage is for my children that they're still small and cute and cuddly and that they like me still uh i gotta take full advantage of it you know i don't want to i don't want to look back i don't want to be that that 25 year old again i don't want to look back on this stage and ask myself, why was I so angry? Why was I so tired? Why was I so frustrated? I, I, I just don't want to do that. Uh, I want to really be able to look back at my early 30s and say, man, that was a sweet time. And what makes this time so sweet is just my time with my children. And um, I really want to maximize that. And so, yeah, when my wife goes, you know, it's, um, it's really, it's hard, but it's really no problem. I, what a super dad. Mm-hmm. It's really just the grace of God and mm-hmm. the call of God over my life. Mm-hmm. When I was when I was doing this in my in my early twenties, you know, my wife would be gone for like a three hour like ministry trip, <laughs> and I'd be flipping out and at home. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I I didn't have the grace for it. Uh, I was too insecure. I was too small minded. Uh, I didn't hear the voice of God. I didn't I didn't honor His call on my life to support my wife in this way. And so I, I struggled a lot in my early 20s, but really it's just, um, it's not because I'm better than any other person. It's just really uh, God has brought me to that place and I accept that, that calling over my life and actually I enjoy it. I realize this is who I am. This is uh, one of my, well, a part of my calling and gifting is just to be a good dad to my children. Given you travel a lot now and also during um, the early stages, have you ever experienced mom guilt? Oh, absolutely. So how would mm-hmm. you um, explain it? How mm-hmm. did you go about it? Mm. Yeah, actually, I've had mom guilt since my first child. And, you know, when my husband said, like, oh, when she'd be gone for three hours, um, I had mom guilt since then, you know, like just to be gone uh, for a visitation at church. Or even gone on a Sunday to preach. Um, You know, I mean, when I would come home, I would just feel so bad. Like, oh, you know, all these other moms, they could stay with their child all the time. But for me, um, yeah, I I didn't ever want my children to feel neglected. Um, And I think the turning point actually was around... I believe five years ago when uh, I received a, a prophetic word from a pastor and he just, just I mean, you know the, the times when someone ministers to you and speaks, um, you know, in a spirit-filled manner over you and just kind of basically like reads your mail, <laughs> reads your heart, reads your mind. And um, I had one of those moments where, you know, he was just basically saying, the Lord knows that you are worried about your children. And at that time, I only had two children. Um, and he said, uh, it's the Holy Spirit that will fill them with wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, and will give them understanding about, you know, where you're going, what, what you're doing. And um, I really held on to that. 
obviously I didn't just hit the ground running after that word. You know, I didn't just, you know, think, oh, okay, I could just leave my kids after this. But I'm actually starting to really see that now, you know, um, because I was concerned um, time to time when I'd be gone for one of the longer trips and, um, you know, will my will my kids feel abandoned? Will they feel like I'm always leaving or um, things like that? But honestly, like there's zero tears, mm. you know? And when I come back, it's just like, oh, hi mom. You know, <laughs> what did God do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have this awareness that I'm doing something for Jesus, you know? And mommy will always be back, you know? And I thank God because I know that's God given. There's like no way that children naturally process things like that unless the spirit allows it to be so. Um, I, you know, because I've been praying since my first child that my children will not um, experience that sense of abandonment. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have to go to work or if I have to prioritize the things of God, you know. Um, and I promise the Lord, like, I will not abandon my post as a mom for the sake of you know, uh, building churches or going to speaking engagements, you know, that's not what I want to do. That's not the kind of mom that I want to be. But if the Lord unctions me to do these things, then he has to give my children the grace to be able to handle that, you know, because that is a call in and of itself, right? Um, And I'm starting to see the fruit of it, you know? Um, Yeah, they they just kind of have this peace and understanding when I leave and when I come back, that one, that mommy loves them, mommy will always be back, and it's something for Jesus, mm. you know? And um, they're happy, they're healthy, they're growing. And so just knowing that God is faithful, that um, God provides that grace, um, is what gives me the peace. Mm. But yeah, I mean, even, I mean, like, ask any mom, like, even, like, um, you know, choosing to end breastfeeding at a certain time. If it's less than a year, you just feel terrible. You feel terrible when you drop them off at preschool. You feel terrible when you drop them off at Sunday school. You feel terrible if you have some me time. I mean, it could go on and on and on and on and on. Um, But I think it's just trusting um, that if it's God's call over your life, that he will also provide the grace. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's what I've been leaning on. And yeah, my kids are, they have joy and they have faith and, you know, that's what matters. So, yeah. How, how's the um, adjustment period for you guys when you come back from a trip or speaking engagements involved? How is that for you? She's gone for 12 and a half days. <laughs> <laughs> but jet lag oftentimes is another 12 to 14 days. Um, so the transition has been rough, but it's, and I don't think it's because it's just physical, but I think there's also this element of communication. I think um, learning how to work with each other through these um, physical difficulties, uh, through the jet lag, and especially through sickness, because lots of times, uh, especially this past summer, she got sick uh, when she came back. So I think really just learning how to communicate through uh, through that. Uh, I, one thing, my my big mistake, was when my wife was going through this jet lag and when she came back from the States, I just, my mistake was, uh, I should just expect her not to be fully back and just, you know, just to keep on doing things on my own. And, 
um, doing it how I do it. But what I what I realized that did was it kind of built a certain level of bitterness, I think, and resentment. Um, and what I should have done was just communicate to my wife, hey, this is just what I need. Um, and I should have been looking back more vocal about that, uh, more honest about what I need. And in, in fairness, you know, like to... Um, in fairness to her, you know, and um, I think that's definitely something that I should have done um, more so, especially during these uh, transition transition parts. Um, there is just like certain moments when, you know, when uh, when we're going through something or in certain parts of the week where we just need to pause everything um, and just love on each other, spend time with each other, enjoy each other. And I think that's something that we've been recently growing into uh, because, you know, we would spend so much time, especially in the early part of our marriage, just working on our marriage. Um, but we really felt this year uh, God was convicting us to start celebrating our marriage. Um, this year was the first time we actually celebrated a, a Valentine's Day. What? Yeah. <clears throat> and it was because, you know, it would be like so many birthdays leading up to that point. Like all of our birthdays for all of our children, except for River, is all in the winter or fall. And so that's like five birthdays, five celebrations. And so by the time we got to February, we'd just be like, we'd look at each other and be like, uh, you're good, right? Yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good. But this year, we really felt led to celebrate our marriage and not just work on it. And, um, you know, we took the whole day out to, to just celebrate each other. And it was a great time. It was probably the first um, date. Uh, or, or, yeah, first date in a long time that we actually really, really enjoyed. I feel like a lot of uh, people who are probably going to listen to this are either people who are married. I don't know many married people who actually have a working relationship. Um, but I think if you could leave them with <clears throat> any practical advice on, um, I guess, what it's like to be, for you specifically, Pastor Faith, a woman in ministry, but also the wisdom and how to be a good wife mm -hmm. and a mom. But you're also a daughter, because I know you guys also get um, covered by your mentors mm -hmm. um, in California. And so if you could put everything that we just talked about in a couple of sentences and... I just practically give advice to other women out there who are listening and maybe some men, potential dads, potential ministers. I would say do not undercut God's maturing process. As in, um, let God finish his work in you. I think a lot of women, especially when they are going into the ministry, they feel this pressure to move at the same pace as a man. But there's no way. You know, your, your body, your mind, your life is not created to look like a man's life. And I think um, a lot of women, they feel like they're just not um, in time. You know, whatever that even looks like, you know, getting married in time, being a mom in time, uh, being at a certain level of ministry in time. And there is no in time for women, you know, um, it's just about being faithful with the cards that he's given you at the moment. 
Um, and just, yeah, just letting him finish the work. If it means having a slow season for a couple of years, amen. If it means being at a certain church for a certain amount of time, amen. If it means having a group that is like, you know, 10 kids or 10 people at a certain time, amen. You know, if that is where God wants you to be, then just be grateful and not just constantly think about how you could get out of that situation. You know, not constantly think, okay, I can't wait to get out of this mommy stage. I can't wait to get out, you know, until my husband changes and, you know, gets to this stage. And, you know, a lot of women, they're just waiting for that next season when God is doing something beautiful in this season. So I would say, you know, just don't try to undercut what God is doing that you'll actually be ready for it, that you'll actually have something to give in that new season. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, um, I love what's happening in the culture as a whole, that there's like this stronger sense of co-parenting. If you even see some of the commercials nowadays, it's a lot of actually like fathers with like babies strapped onto their chest, running errands now and doing all this stuff that typically a generation ago was just set for uh, a women's role. But um, this culture as a whole now is shifting where uh, co-parenting is becoming more of a reality, mm -hmm. where fathers are more involved in their children's lives and there's more of a presence. There's more, um, you know, fathers are, uh, uh, are more responsible for, you know, like cooking and cleaning and laundry and so on. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, with all that said, I think, uh, one thing that my wife and I uh, really set on not doing um, in, in, our, in our marriage and in our family was to not idolize our family. Uh, in, in our Western mindsets, it could be so easy to think that it's, it's family first, but it's actually not. Family is not first. God is first. And whatever God calls us to do, uh, we obey mm -hmm. and believe and trust that he'll provide um, everything necessary to make that happen. And so for us, um, <clears throat> that decision on what not to do, one of, the, one of that being to not idolize our family was definitely one of the things that really, uh, I think, um, set us forward and kind of having that value set in our, in our family really um, shaped how we do ministry, shaped how we, uh, my wife goes on trips, just to speak into the mommy guilt thing. <clears throat> As a husband, I, have a, I actually have a huge responsibility in that area because while my wife is gone I have to explain to the children you know what my wife is doing um, I have to explain to the children what mommy's doing and I have to add the value to her being gone and I have to make it worth it for our children and of course there's practical elements where uh, you know my wife would take uh, one or two of the kids on a trip uh, uh, with her and have them see but really it's it's a lot of my responsibility to ensure that our kids have that proper understanding and wisdom um, behind um, knowing why their mother is gone for two weeks at a time and to make sure that I, 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 I feel that. And, but even still, with that said, it doesn't mean that I put family first. It's just really the, the call of God on our lives and to honor God in that moment. How can people who are listening to this podcast find you? Um, for me, I mean, I'm really easy to find. Um, I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, and then I have a blog um, called Pearls by Faith. Um, my Instagram is also <clears throat> Pearls by Faith. Um, yeah, and then we, 
and then we have a you know our ministry Instagram, which is the River and J at underscore the River yeah, yes. at underscore the River, and that's our ministry together. My husband actually doesn't have Instagram, but he's on Facebook. Yeah, you could Facebook me at Dave Cho. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it David? David yeah, Cho. I think it's oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> you can check my Facebook, um, Google David Cho, <laughs> and just.